Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, a wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at ozarkfolkcenter.com. Howdy, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll be hearing from two fine musicians who are keeping alive the old-time music traditions, fiddler Betsy Ellis and her musical partner, banjoist Clark Wyatt. We're also going to take a trip down into the vault, where Mark Jones has uncovered another gem in our collection of past recordings. And we'll hear from Charlie Sandage, who will tell us about the gardens at the Ozark Folk Center. All that and more this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. Betsy Ellis and Clark Wyatt exhibit their love of old-time music with an inventive spirit, taking their listeners on a field trip across mountain folkways and new landscapes. Trained as a classical violinist, Betsy now plays a driving but sweet old-time fiddle. For years, she fiddled for the Kansas City-based band The Wilders, then teamed up several years ago with Clark Wyatt, a banjo player with an original and creative approach to the three-finger style. Recently, they appeared at the Ozark Folk Center, and today we'll feature some recordings of their performance. Let's start this set with Dry and Dusty and Riding Old Paint. Dry and Dusty and follow it up with a great big hit from a long time ago.
tie my bones to his back and face this to the west for I'm the wild prairies that we love music and, and old-time music, traditional music, was not something that I heard at all growing up, with the exception of coming to the Ozark Folk Center a couple times and seeing the house band, you know, going through the craft village and seeing the house band play. And I think I probably thought, well, that was kind of interesting. I can picture it in my mind. I can see it better than I can hear it in my memories. And um, and I, I it didn't quite hit the spark for me at the time. Um, however... After going away from Arkansas, moving up to Kansas City, Missouri, going to school there, going to a music school there, um, getting out of school, playing rock and roll, playing experimental music, playing what became eventually some types of folk music, and finally getting bit by what I call the old-time bug.
Well, at five years old, I started playing piano. Uh, played, uh, took piano lessons and segued to cello. But I, my parents weren't super musical, but my my grandparents in that whole generation was was very musical. They uh, were from East Texas, farm town, um, and they uh, out in the region of the East Texas Serenaders, and uh, they all played banjos and fiddles and guitars. And so my my grandmother uh, indicated a little bit of that to me. Mostly, we would sit at the piano together and uh, pick out hymns and things. Thank you. 
when I first fell in love with old time music, something I noticed out there was musical couples and duos that that would do this together, and and that always really appealed to me. There was a part of me that thought, boy, that would be the neatest thing to to make music with my partner. And we were getting to know each other for a little bit before the music thing happened. Um, and and so the first time we we played any music together was at the uh, Walnut Valley Music Festival there in Winfield, Kansas. We were already a couple at Winfield in 2014, and it was late night on a Saturday that we decided we should probably play music together. And then quickly after that, we booked shows. So this year at, at Winfield, we had a prominent show, a really good slot, and uh, it was a really magical night because it was exactly a year to the day of the evening at Winfield that we decided to play music together. Yeah. And so in exactly a year, we had a really awesome blowout set on stage <laughs> five at Winfield. It was really fun. You've been listening to Betsy Ellis and Clark Wyatt. They started their set with Dry and Dusty and Riding Old Paint, followed by Long Time to Get There, a medley of Give the Fiddler a Dram and Pig on a Stone, and finally The Train Leaves Here This Morning. 
They were recorded in the auditorium at the Ozark Folk Center in Mountain View, Arkansas. When we come back after the break, let's head down to the vault to hear Mark Jones' pick of the week. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. week about this time we take a trip down into the vaults under the folk center here to visit mark jones who's the keeper of the vaults and uh, to see what kind of music he's been listening to let's let's go down and see what mark's doing hey mark how you doing today dave i'm doing pretty good i'm just looking around here and all these names bring back so many memories of friends of ours like for instance this one right here at, at mr bob blair now, you knew Bob, didn't you? I did know Bob Blair, and there was a true mountain man if there ever was one. Bob was a wealth of knowledge about a lot of things, wasn't he? That's true. He uh, he could tell you any kind of tree that you were looking at, any kind of plant, what it was for. It was just amazing. I know he and Billy Joe Tatum used to do a lot of field hikes and stuff like that, and they would all time be finding something that the other one might not know what it was, but they ended up sharing a lot of information between the two of them. That's right. In the fall of the year, Bob spent a lot of time up on the North Mountainsides digging ginseng. He knew a lot about ginseng. He he dug golden seal root. He was a terrific turkey hunter, probably as good a turkey hunter as there ever was around here. Deer hunter, coon hunter, Bob did it all. He did. In fact, my dad went ginseng hunting with him a lot of times. Uh, let's listen to this song. Let's see. This is a oh, this is a great song. It's really quite a famous gospel song that was actually written by a gentleman from Stone County. He wrote it back probably in the 1920s or 30s. Thomas Jefferson Ferris lived in Timbo, Arkansas. Bob is accompanied by his wife Kay on this great gospel song, "Who Will Sing for Me." Ought I sing? For my friends, when death's cold hand I see, when I reach my journey's in, who will sing one song for me? I wonder who will sing, will sing for me. When I come to the cross of my silence, who will sing for me? When the crowd has gathered round and 
looks down on me Will they turn and walk away Or will they sing one song for me I wonder who will sing for me when I come to the cross of my silence. Who will sing for me? So I'll sing till the end. And cheerful try to be assured that some friend will sing one song for me. I wonder who will sing for me when I come to the cross. Of my silence, who will sing, will sing for me? Dave, you know, when you hear that, you realize on the day that Bob Blair died, how much knowledge and history went away that day. I know he passed a lot of it on, but there's no way anybody could have learned as much and knew as much as about the Ozarks as Bob Blair. That's absolutely right. We miss him a lot. Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. We'll see you next week, okay? You bet. Come on back. Stone County native Bob Blair was a fiddle player as well. I'm sure he would have been familiar with some of these tunes, played by this week's featured artists, Betsy Ellis and Clark Wyatt. Thank you. 
Violet is, I, I call her a lot of different things, a friend, a teacher, a mentor, an inspiration, and, and not the least of which I, I think of her as my musical grandma. Uh, we're not related by blood, but the music has, has made me feel like, you know, if, if in small, some small part, if I can be an inheritor of her music, that is, is, is incredibly meaningful to me in my life and my, and my own uh, journey with music. But I met Violet about 15 years ago uh, when my band was playing at Silver Dollar City, and we struck up a, a very quick friendship. And it just so happens that her home in Yellville, Arkansas, um, is 100 miles from the home where I grew up in Fayetteville. So I would go and visit my folks in Fayetteville and then make a journey over to Violet's and hang out with her at her house and, and, and really try to learn her tunes the best I could. And every time I'm with her is a great reminder of the, 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 ones I've, the tunes I've learned well and the ones that I'm still working on, which is great. represents something really magical about old-time music and tradition that I think a lot of us can benefit from being exposed to and 
part of what I mean is there's sometimes a tendency of people to uh, think of old time music as being simple and even more so the the Ozark music. They think, oh, well, that's just not as exciting as the stuff out of Kentucky or out of North Carolina. Look at the Giants, you know, look at Tommy Jarrell or Luther Strong or something. And well, you know, I I think that it's it's that subtlety is so complex and what's represented in a lot of the Ozark traditionalists and Violet is is an apex of that because she may not play a ton of notes with her left hand but those little moments with her bow are extremely complex and subtle and and those lessons are 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 ongoing
anyone is is fortunate enough to spend um, uh, spend time at the at the side of an elder generation traditionalist, you know, boy, pay attention, you know. And so I I, I still have lots to learn from her. Clark and I were just with her on Saturday at Silver Dollar City, a few days after she celebrated her 99th birthday. And so once again, you know, it, it just every time that I'm next to her playing her fiddle tunes, I think, boy, I just pay attention. I mean, we're really fortunate that Violet is still with us and that she's always happy to share her music. Violet has been officially named by the state of Arkansas as an Arkansas living treasure, but just one meeting with Violet, one chance to see her perform or, or spend time face-to-face -face with her, we think, yeah, she's more than a, than a state treasure. She's a national treasure, and and so we're we're all the better for having having time with her in our lives. That was fiddle banjo duo Betsy Ellis and Clark Wyatt playing Let's Go Boating Down the River, Fill My Way Every Day with Love, Squirrel Hunters, and Molly Put the Kettle On. After this next break, let's listen to Charlie Sandage inform us about the gardens at the Ozark Folk Center and listen to some more fine old fiddle tunes from Betsy and Clark. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. <laughs>
Nina Wilcox is the herbalist at the Ozark Folk Center. After 31 years, her name has become synonymous with the center's heritage herb garden and her deeply felt connection with the Ozarks' native plant kingdom continues to flourish. The Ozark Folk Center State Park's Heritage Herb Garden is a decorative garden, and it, it does certainly enhance and add a lot to the senses of a person visiting the park. However, what's really important about the garden is that it's a place where people can see the plants that were so very important to life in the Ozarks. The planted areas that are part of the Heritage Herb Garden are prominent throughout the center's grounds, especially in the Crafts Village. But Tina Wilcox's description of the garden begins with its mixed hardwood and pine forest setting. We start with the biggest plants, the trees. And the timber actually brought a lot of people here because it, it in itself was a resource. But that gave us log cabins and musical instruments. The acorns came to the ground and fed the wild animals. And so those people that had guns could eat meat. And then they could rinse the acorns to have high protein for themselves to make a meal. From the time when prehistoric people hunted wildlife in the Ozarks to today's sawmills and wood products and even tourism, timber has been essential to the region's economy. But Tina's tone shifts when she begins to talk about what grows in the shade of Ozark oaks and hickories. In the understory of the forest, we have persimmons and we have pawpaws and we have spice bush and then the littler herbs. Then we get into the really good ones, the golden seal and the ginseng that were not only important to the medicinal uh, uses around the cabin, but also were a way to make a living here in the Ozarks. One of the other ways that people had of, of uh, bumping up their income some. And then out in the garden, where people were raising corn and squash and beans and pumpkins and turnips and collards and all that, there came the, the volunteer weeds that were edible. So you had poke salad and you had lamb's quarters and purslane and chickweed, all these things that went into the greens pot and, and help people get their vitamins and minerals as they made their subsistence living in the uh, cabins. Near the Craft Village entrance, a visitor to the Folk Center will find a major herb garden work and display area. Yolanda Raker is an apprentice gardener and shopkeeper, and on a day in mid-October, we found her there. Well, right now I'm taking some mint and I am giving them new soil because plants, you know, use up the nutrients in the soil and preparing them to kick back for the winter. I'm cutting the roots back some, giving them clean new pots and new soil with amendments in them and letting them grow from there. Two visitors stopped nearby. One was pointing out a specimen of particular interest to her friend, we spoke with Catherine Nathan from Memphis, Tennessee. This is one of my return visits. I, we come up here at least once a year, try to. And uh, uh, at one point, there was a lady who worked in this, uh, in this particular exhibit who, uh, she was a little uh, older and uh, was in period costume. And uh, she got me very, very interested in uh, all these plants. And uh, so uh, I was just, uh, you know, touching and smelling and, 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 
and enjoying uh, the incredible variety that's here. Uh, and uh, I always want to learn more about, uh, about herbs and plants and so on and so forth. So uh, I just, uh, just wandered in. <laughs> Ideally, a visitor would have days to devote to such purposeful wandering, but Tina Wilcox reflected on how someone with only a few hours to devote to the Center's Herb Gardens might spend them. If an herbal person had only one day at the Ozark Folk Center State Park, I would urge them to go to the cabins, uh, the Shen Cabin and the Herb Cabin, and spend a whole lot of time in the Folk Kids Mountain Garden and up on the Yarb Garden Hill just looking at the, uh, at the fragrant and useful plants that are there. Well, there's a big old buckeye there, and it's gonna have red flowers in the spring, and then it'll be dropping heavy fruit on people's heads at the end of August, you know, and then those buckeyes for good luck are always fun to find. But just uh, from the ginseng and gold silk patch all the way through the mountain mints and the baptisias and on through there, to me, represent the Ozarks. The Billy Joe Tatum's Herb Garden is right there on that same hill. It's to, to me, that one represents really what I think of as important to herbalism in the Ozarks. Generations of accumulated folk wisdom and serious study have made the Folk Center's Herb Garden what it is. But one whimsical observation by Tina Wilcox might be the best way to summarize the underlying spirit of it all. I've had the opportunity to uh, break open some persimmon seeds this fall, and so far I'm getting all spoons. The thing is, is you gotta get into the uh, flesh of the persimmon and, and then get out those individual seeds and kind of get the slick off of them and set them up on their edge. And then you get your, your pocket knife and you kind of work it in there on the edge of the seed and, and, and just work it until you can peel the two sides of the seed apart. And when you lay it open, you look in the middle and you can see either a spoon, a fork, or a knife. And it's just a little white shape within the middle of the seed. Now, a spoon means you're gonna be shoveling snow. A fork means it'll be sort of an easy winter. And the butter knife means it'll be cuttingly cold. And like I said, so far, I'm getting spoons, so I'm looking forward to some snow this winter. Thanks, Charlie. Betsy Ellis and Clark Wyatt have been playing their fine style of old-time music at venues across the country. Here they are again on stage at the Ozark Folk Center.
Yeah, I'm getting close. I'm, I'm honing in on, on the, you know, as far as what Violet actively plays, I'm feeling like I really do a pretty good job with with a good majority of them. There was a really sweet moment where I got to, I got to relay this back to Violet. When we were out at the zigzag old-time getaway, it's uh, at the base of Mount Hood, a little town up in the northwest, and we were, we were both teaching workshops, and Betsy taught Jericho to an 11-year-old girl that just gets it at, at that young age. To watch Betsy play it with Violet, and then at the concert at the end of Zigzag in the northwest, to watch Betsy play it as a duet with this 11-year-old girl, it just sort of epitomized what Betsy is doing for the music, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, a couple days ago at Silver Dollar City, I got to tell Violet that story, and she was tickled. So. She was tickled. Yeah. She yeah. was tickled. Oh, yeah. music revival as I call it that we're in now I think this current 
revival period has been going on for 15 plus years. We've seen it, I mean, even the 1920s, the golden age of country music and, and early recordings, that was really a revival, actually, of music that had existed for quite some time, and it was played by both older people and young people. Um, as touring artists, we have, I think, more opportunities to play the kind of music that we're doing now than if we were trying to do it with the kinds of music that we did before now. I think the opportunities as current touring artists, there are more.
You've been listening to Betsy Ellis and Clark Wyatt, recorded last summer at the Ozark Folk Center. They started their set out with The Quail is a Pretty Bird, followed by White River. They finished their set with a fine old song, Rye Whiskey. Well, that's it for this week's show. For playlists to this program or any of our past shows, or to contact me with any questions you might have about this show, find us on the web at ozarkhighlandsradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. For all of us here at Ozark Highlands Radio, I'm Dave Smith. See you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. And by Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. More information online at ArkansasStatePark.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.